I guess what irritated me was the certainty. And, and as I was trying to get across in the comic, you know, it's okay to not be certain about things. I wanted to sort of suggest that it's okay to hold all of these different ideas in your head at the same time and allow right. nuance into it. If I could just communicate with the world in comics and in only comics, I'd probably be, yeah. uh, be completely happy. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Today we're getting better acquainted with Tom Humberstone. Hello Tom. Hello. How you doing? I'm alright, yeah. I mean it's always a, as, like we were almost talking about before we turned on the recording. It's kind of a, it's always a sort of slightly false <laughs> element to this false start. You know, we've already been talking and then suddenly, right, now we're in a show. Yeah, I guess, you know, I've already uh, just been trying to talk to you about films I've seen recently. Ooh. So we actually haven't done a kind of like... Happy New Year. Yeah, uh, Happy New Year, that's true. I guess we're still we're still in January, so it's okay to say that. Yeah, I never know when you stop saying it. <laughs> yeah. Like technically you have you should say it to everybody that you haven't seen since the last new year, but when you say in in you know, I think August, July is like, work. you know, yeah. Right. Yeah, a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So has your your January been? How has my January been? My January has been full of conversation. Um, mm. I was running low on conversations for the show so I sort of booked in pretty much every day I've been doing a conversation sometimes two mm. it's really nice it means I feel like I kind of in the in the conversation zone partly I did this because I get quite depressed sometimes at the beginning of the year mm. and conversations actually improve my mental health yeah, so uh, yeah. it's had a dual purpose of being useful for the show and, uh, and me hopefully. that's uh, it's really interesting everyone goes through a bit of a January blues it's a very long month when it's very dark and it's cold and yeah I think it's a winter thing really rather yeah. than, like I, I guess Yes, it probably doesn't feel the same if you're in Australia. Sure, yes, that's I mean, true. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I, I guess, yeah, having, yeah, meeting up with friends and just talking is probably a good thing. I feel like if we were to have some sort of conversation off right now, you would win, because <laughs> I have spent the previous few days largely listening to other people talk on podcasts and just drawing. And right. So... I feel like I'm a bit out of practice. Right. Well, you know, hopefully this will go fine. Right, and you're, you're sort of like the, the, the kind of ideal podcast listener in that you spend a lot of time drawing and so you have to have something to occupy your ears, I guess. Yeah, sort of, because I'm on my own largely. Like, it's kind of a way of having a, a fake workplace environment in which people are talking in the background, except I can't interact with them. <laughs> <laughs> is kind of ideal for me sometimes yeah I do listen to a lot of podcasts because of that yeah. <laughs> yeah. first question I ask everybody is how do you know me right well I met you <laughs> I met you at a podcast night right. a sort of get together for people who make podcasts and my girlfriend is looking into making a podcast so we went along and uh, yeah that's where we met I think we've been in the same room before yeah. when I was recording a podcast in fact oh I should say talking a background sound we're in a pub in Peckham and that's what the background sound is it's, it feels like nice and uh, atmospheric actually from, from where I'm hearing so I think it's a, it's a yeah. good choice well hopefully as I was saying before we start recording I hope you don't get too many emails uh, <laughs> complaining, complaining about, about levels sound. well I hope by this stage you know part of my style is is the background sound I hope that by this stage my listeners who are who are still here are uh, I'm liking that. <laughs> They're used to it. You know. 
we met properly to talk to at that kind of podcasting event that Helen Zaltzman put on, mm. but we'd actually been in the same room when I was interviewing Helen Zaltzman for a podcast, and I, I came to see the panel, there was a, a comics panel that mm. you guys did first, Yeah, there was a comics panel... And then after that, there was a comedian. I watched him too. And then I did a, a podcast that was part of, was it the Tower, Ham- it's Tower Hamlet's Library's Literature Fringe or whatever? I don't know. Mm, yeah. Unfortunately, Natalie organised it. That's yes. what I really Net, Net Guest, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she she got to organise the fringe part of it. And there's like a sort of a more standard right. panel uh, sort of workshops going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, was it Will Hodgson doing yeah, the thing right. afterwards? Yeah, that's right. He was the he was a comedian in between, and and mm. you guys did a, like the morning was a, a comics panel, mm. and uh, there was you and I think was it three other people? I think uh, was it was uh, Kieran Gillen and oh, okay. Hannah Berry, right? And I think it was someone sharing it, right? Moderated by oh Alex, um, Alex Hearn from Alex the Hearn, New, yeah. New Statesman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now at the Guardian, right? That's that's true too. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I, I follow him on Twitter, but I'm obviously not 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 up to date with his history properly in my mind. That's where I kind of met you, mm. but then even kind of further back than that, in a way that you don't kind of know. I guess my or you you do know a part of my partner, my girlfriend Jen. She's writing a book about uh, a graphic novelist, and there's a character who is like designing, like is a, is you, not you, right, sure. is, has your job, and so she reached out to you and a few other uh, graphic, I think Edward Ross, I think, oh, yeah. to get like, how does it work? How does that, your actual lives work? And you were good enough to reply to her oh, good. and communicate, and yeah, <laughs> you're like looking worried then, like. <laughs> I, I, it, what did I say in that email? But yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I vaguely remember it, and I, I can't remember. Yeah, I was trying to remember whether I was actually helpful, whether I was sort of said, "Oh, you're better off speaking to this person or that person." But good, I'm better. You were that helpful. helpful. I mean, that information was really helpful from what she's writing, and I thought that was a kind of interesting thing to be in a position where mm. where that happens. I've done. I've reached out to people asking them like. I had um, a lot of questions for physicists about what would happen if the moon disappeared a few mm. years ago for something I was writing. And I've had that experience of like just putting out a kind of speculative email and then the expert, in inverted commas, gets back to me and gives me loads of information. Mm-hmm. But I've never been in that situation where, you know, somebody's reached out to me, I guess, through an email. Sure, yeah. So, no, do you not get anyone uh, contact you asking about sort of uh, podcast help or anything? Do you know what? I've just framed all of that like uh, it's never happened to me, but now you've actually made it <laughs> my life yeah no that's happened to me um, and I do I do Just always lies. reply yeah no that's true but I, I guess I sort of think of you as because I, I, I became aware of your work I think when you, you did some stuff with Darren Heyman I think um, oh, right. when he was doing his January another January in fact he was <laughs> A summer day in January, I think, and you yeah. you uh, did a drawing of the of one of the recording sessions for him, mm. and I sort of saw you your work there, and then I've been familiar with it, like in the New Statesman, for a while, and so I'm sort of in my mind, I sort of put you in a sort of like different category to me as like someone <laughs> who does cool, interesting stuff, like in the public eye, but I I don't know when you when you you probably feel like that about the people you meet, and I, no, absolutely, you know, yeah, exactly, um, so yeah, th- those sorts of things sort of like come out of like really random things like uh, Helen Arney is a comedian who's a friend and she was doing a recording with Darren Heyman on one of those songs and so she she was uh, invited me along and you know I, I was a fan of Hefner and Darren Heyman anyway so that was kind of just like a 
really random happenstance, which is really lovely to do. And it's always weird doing those, those sort of live drawings and looking back on those things because obviously they're sort of filled with a sort of element of stress or not so much stress. Like I do feel pressurised to sort of come up with something nice and good at the end of it. And you sort of feel like, given the time I had and, you know, all the caveats, it's always good to have caveats whenever you're doing art because then you can sort of say, well, it's because of this, this and this, and it was terrible. And I, I sort of feel like okay about it by the end. And then, oh, whenever I sort of see a link to it or, you know, it pops up for, you know, some reason or other and I see it again, I, I just feel terribly embarrassed and like, Oh, everyone was very nice about it on the, on the day. Um, I, I, mean, guess I like, I like the like style when I saw it. So, I mean, obviously, one of the reasons you do those things is just to get your name in, in more places. That's one of the reasons. Not not your name, but your art seen by more people. Yeah. And so it had that. It had the desired effect, I guess, of of, of someone going, "Oh, that's nice. I'll, I'll see what else he does." Mm. And like following you back and following the links back. So it mm. had that effect, even if when you see it, you don't like it. As no. Much. Yeah. I guess you know nothing novel about like artists sort of being uh, ashamed of their previous work no, and, and yeah, moving right. on but um, <laughs> well, you're just yeah not original I think, enough, obviously. well sure yeah yeah um, but uh, no I just feel like you know maybe it's a bit of a cliche and you know I'm just falling into that trap but yeah, uh, sure, sure. yeah no I, I think the main reason I wanted to do it was it just seemed like a lovely day you know like a, a, you know I get because it was really it was such a novelty for me to just be in the middle of people like God, now I'm just going to sound like awful, like when parents say, "Oh, you're having a spliff or married," you know. Uh, but seeing uh, musicians jam, right, <laughs> and right. you know, like seeing them improvise and create a song out of nothing, which is something that completely feels magical and and out of my grasp uh, to me. Which is obviously, I, I assume, right. how people feel about seeing a comic artist draw something yeah. as well. But, um, I mean, I guess it was one of those days where they had that experience. You know, everybody had a different explain. Yeah. Everybody, because, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. I think that the arts are all very similar, but also very different, right? Like people. So it's really good to sort of like be in a situation where you see how another art form works, because it really informs how you think about your art form. I guess it's how I sort of feel about it when I've seen people do, yeah, do. Because visual art is my thing. I don't. Do. So when I see people do visual art, that's like. What can I learn about that different way of seeing things that I can then bring to writing or audio sure. stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, how did the book come along? Uh, well, her book. Yes. Um, she is very close to finishing the like the draft that will be so the, the one that will be ready to be seen by people. Mm. So I don't know what number she would call that because yeah. her first drafts change depending on how she's feeling about sure. uh, the sure. work, which I guess is something similar for, mm. for when you're making pictures that you sort of like when 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 do you end it? You know, that's mm. always the hardest question I think for any piece of art. Right? Mm. So you had to do that in a day. Yeah. Um, and so that was when you were going to end it whereas you do your new statesman column that you've got a longer deadline you've got more time to worry but then <laughs> you've still got a cut off point you've still got that moment where you go do I like it or not now mm. it's finished you know? no absolutely yeah I mean it's good to have a weekly deadline for, for that kind of thing because it really does curb your sort of perfectionist sort of side of things and not wanting to let things go but it does mean that you know some weeks you don't feel as happy or as, as confident about a comic as, as, as other weeks but 
I kind of feel like, you know, one week you might have a really good idea and you can really sort of execute it well and you feel really proud of it. And then some other weeks it might be an average idea that you manage to sort of polish into a good idea or a better idea and it does help having just you know you've got to get it done I often refer to the Lorne Michaels line from Saturday Night Live which is like the show doesn't go on because it's ready it goes on because it's 11.30 I really like that it's a kind of like you, you do it I think Tina Fey wrote, wrote about that and you try your hardest and some some of it's going to be gold and some of it isn't and then you move on it also sort of means that you don't sort of take too much pride in the goal you know you sort of have to treat the successes and the failures with an equal sort of feeling of okay that that was that and now I move on to the next thing um, so so it's a good sort of like practice to get into because it does mean that I'm constantly producing work every week if not every comic is better than the last one I think there's a steady steady sort of slow uh, and sure uh, kind of improvement as I as, as time goes on which uh, is definitely noticeable when I sort of had I, I, I collected a book of them in November just before Christmas and when I was looking at the, the, the sort of book of the first 80 comics you, it was really nice to actually see but I, I genuinely had actually improved it wasn't just in my head yeah <laughs> I mean, the second question that I ask everybody is, "What do you do now?" And we're sort of already touching on this subject. But what, what do you what do you say when someone says, "What do you do now?" Um, what do I say? I say I'm a comic artist, and yeah, the difference between what saying that now and saying that like five or ten years ago, although I didn't necessarily say that then, because even if I was doing comics, I, I probably had a full time job. Yeah, by and large, that doesn't get the kind of look of disgust that it used to. Um, or, uh, you know, that's, that's too strong. Um, but uh, the look of kind of ambivalence. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, I say I'm a comic artist. I, I guess my, my standard, the thing that I can say, this is what I do and where you might see me, is I do a weekly comic in the New Statesman, as we were talking about. But, um, but yeah, like, uh, I do all sorts of other comics on the side. Uh, some of them paid, some of them myself. I guess in 2009, I started a comic anthology called Solipsistic Pop, which right. was to sort of highlight all the kind of UK comic that I really liked and putting them in there was a really nice, well-designed, high production value sort of products that I could then send out to... Was, I guess it was a way of, sort of trying to get more attention on the kind of comic artists that I really liked and wanted them to sort of... wanted to create a kind of McSweeney's or a Raw or kind of drawn and quarterly for the UK. Um, that's about six years ago. <laughs> And uh, at the time, it didn't feel like there was much other stuff going on in the comic scene that was doing that. And now, now there very much is, and it's almost an unnecessary anthology to an extent. But yeah, so I guess that's another thing I would say I, I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I guess the New Statesman gig is a, a good, useful kind of gig for an artist to have, because it's the kind of thing that your parents or your people at a party are going to have heard of rather than you say well I do these comics and that's like even if you're successful in the comics industry in the past it might not have had sort of a a mainstream reference point whereas I guess you can say well I'm in a 
publication I'm on the internet like in, yeah, in yeah. you know news publication is is more on people's radar I guess than mm, no, comics thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah no I mean it, it's still sort of like I still feel like I'm I'm in a really lucky and rare position to be making a living out of comics and getting paid to do it on a regular basis and and for those comics to be in a publication that's on like newsstands and sort of very easily available you don't have to go to a comic shop to pick it up in fact you can't pick it up in a comic shop <laughs> but um, yeah so that, that, that is I do feel very lucky for that I mean that's been going for about two years now and I've sort of probably coming up to four years as a freelancer like full-time yeah. freelancer so um, so it's definitely made a huge difference in my like the past two years of um, you know I, I yeah, like having that steady, stable job, right. which you know isn't actually that stable. Like um, you know, it could they could they could probably say, oh, this isn't working out, Tom. Like you know, tomorrow, and uh, you know, it could all you know end. And and, and there are also like a multitude of really talented, brilliant comic artists in the UK who would do a similarly good job as me, and you know, so um. <laughs> I'm sure you know at some stage you know like uh, I'm sure like a, a new editor will come come on board you know I, and um, and it could all go away. <laughs> so. that, well, that, that, that's, that's, no doubt that's true. That could happen. But yeah, I mean, I, I I often worry about things like that before I should. I guess something that that what the what working with a new statesman has has meant, and I don't know if this was something that was present in your work beforehand or if it's something that kind of came with the gig to a certain extent. It's meant that you've done a lot more kind of commentary on. Uh, like current events right right um, I mean because I, I became aware of you through Darren Hamer stuff like I say but then uh, I, I guess the second sort of moment I was really aware of you was when Occupy was happening and you, you did some some comics around uh, that sort of the, the movement and what that was like and and, and I'm a very big fan of the comic that you made for Charlie Hebdo, mm. um, which Joe Sacco also did a really excellent comic about that issue. And it was great to see in both strips somebody that represents what I think <laughs> being represented in comics. Because I love mm. comics, right? I'm, I'm a big fan of comics, which, which makes it sound like I read a lot more uh, comics than I, than I do because I've not had as much time to read fiction or comics which are mm. both of which I love in years but I mean I I love the medium and mm. so obviously a, a moment like that is uh, a complicated one mm. um, and that's what I wanted to hear from from people making comics like it's complicated sure and let's let's look at the complexity of the situation rather than because the problem I feel like with those original cartoons, whatever you mm. feel about the Charlie Hebdo originals, whether you think they're racist, whether you don't think they're racist, whatever, whether you think that it's irrelevant what they're like because of the atrocity, whatever mm. people think, it seems to me that the problem is a still image on a front page, it gives a very two-dimensional, literally, <laughs> uh, message. Like, mm. it doesn't matter kind of what the intent is, if you've got a still on a front page, one image, that that creates meaning that you might not intend, like mm. in the complexity of your politics, you know, around that. So mm. I feel like those original comics, some of them, it doesn't matter what the creators intended. For me, the message they gave, because they were a still image, was very directly going to have a, an effect on lots of people who saw those images. And 
after after it happened there was all of these still images again like single very simplistic like simplistic messages about really complicated a really complicated issue which I feel like if we, if we don't handle things like that well then we're going to so many more people are going to get hurt and so I, I wanted to see people in that industry yeah responding as you did I guess and, and, and as Joe Sacco did I mean I'm, again as I said before we turned it on I'm projecting all of my own biases and opinions all over you right <laughs> no, so no. you can shoot uh, me down um, <laughs> Well, obviously, yeah, it's really nice to hear. Um, I'm glad that it worked for you. I, um, yeah, that comic's larger point was obviously that I wanted to somehow get across by a series of declarative statements uh, that you could, I guess, we can post a, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. a version well, of this I'll, with I'll, the I'll link, link to pretty much everything we talk about okay, in the show well, notes on SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay, so I won't overly describe it, but... Um, with a series of declarative statements about the context, I wanted to sort of suggest that it's okay to hold all of these different ideas in your head at the same time and allow right. nuance into it because wherever, whatever you, you thought about it all, and I think we all probably start from the base level of this is horrific and you know it was a horrible tragedy. What these those people did was, you know, unforgivable, and all our sympathies were with the the, the cartoonists and, and and the people in the building who died, uh, or the people who on the day who died, and um, and and their families. Um, but it's also okay to talk about other things around it. That sort of in. In the immediate aftermath of, of it, in the sort of two days that followed, which was when I wrote and, and, and drew the comic, uh, it just didn't come out for a week after that because that happens to be the sort of schedule of the New Statesman. It wasn't being sort of talked about, uh, that it's okay to talk about all of these different things, and but we can all still be on the same base level. Right. And what irritated me about the kind of debate was as soon as anyone was criticising the cartoons in any way, they were sort of uh, being argued down for sort of suggesting like, oh, so it makes that makes it okay, does it? And well, no, obviously that's not what right. they were saying, and that's not what people were saying when they were criticising the comics. It's it's okay to not want to say Je suis Charlie and it was okay to not want to hold the cartoons and the cartoonists themselves up as symbols of uh, freedom of speech and freedom of expression while, while simultaneously also condemning it. And, um, I don't know, it was... It was I, I disliked how everything became very polarising and um, I get very frustrated with seeing how sort of debate, sort of discussion sort of falls into this sort of same pattern on social media, uh, whether that is some sort of horrible atrocity like that or a small outrage over well, anything, like people um, wanting to talk about Russell Brand or something. It all follows a similar pattern of a bunch of people saying one thing, then there's a sort of an inevitable backpack. Yeah, I'm sure there, like, in fact, someone was telling me that there was a, someone who'd done a really fun, funny graph about how this 
this always follows a similar pattern. I get quite frustrated watching that kind of thing happen and I never really want to necessarily engage with it. But, well, A, because I, I'm in a privileged position in which I can actually, some, if I can, somehow shepherd my thoughts into some sort of succinct narrative. I can hopefully get my point across in a comic right. uh, in the New Statesman. I have an outlet and a voice there. So I'm speaking as someone who can do that. So I don't necessarily like to get involved that much on social media talking about events of the day. Because I don't think you're necessarily going to sort of change anyone's mind in a Facebook comment thread or anything, you know? Like, everyone sort of battens down the hatches and I think often one of the problems with that debate was as soon as people came out and said just we Charlie and, and changed their like like their Facebook profile picture to to that that image and then if someone did criticize it rather than get into an in interesting debate talking about the nuances of it it felt like people were just doubling down because they didn't want to u-turn they didn't want to backtrack on something they'd just done because oh god I know so it's already going to be a post in my timeline about how I changed my profile picture to this thing. If I change it back, it's going to look terrible. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm probably being a bit unfair, but I kind of feel like yeah, people sort of just like, no, I'm going to just keep finding all the articles that back up my view of it and post those in response. And, and the other person is going to start finding the other articles that posit the other side of things. And I'm going to post those. And uh, I don't necessarily feel that anyone's mind is getting changed. And um, yeah, having said that, I don't think my comic is going to change anyone's minds. Right. Like you happen to agree <clears throat> with it and liked it. People yeah. who don't agree with it are just not going to like or it. Or even, I mean, did I agree with it or did I see different things in it? I mean, sure, I think I maybe. basically agreed with it to a certain extent. <laughs> um, having heard, you having you explain what you meant by it makes, and you did also you wrote. Um, a kind of piece with that. I did, yeah. Um, which is not something you would normally do, but I can understand why you felt like why I don't know if it was an editorial decision or what, but it was um, a good one. I think. Yeah, I, I'd actually written that. that I was just going to put uh, every sort every week when the comic goes online. I write um, a very small amount on my blog when I sort of post a link to it. And uh, sometimes I have a bit more to say than other weeks, and so I, I just ended up writing that mainly just to sort of collect more of my thoughts because obviously in the week while I was waiting it for, to go online you know I, I had more things that I wanted to say and and I've been getting into more conversations with friends and uh, and I just yeah I just wanted to collect all of that into something that made sense to me and I sent it to my editors at New States and saying this is probably what I'm going to say on my blog and, and Helen uh, who is the deputy editor of the New Statesman, uh, Helen Lewis, she said, um, that's good, can we put it on our yeah. site when it goes online? I think and it's so a good decision. That was really nice, it yeah. Kind of, it, kind of, it gave it even more nuance, which is kind of what the, the kind of piece was trying for in the first place. Mm. But I mean, for me, like, it's, it's an interesting thing, like, for me, the difference between a static one single panel image and how that can, like a logo or a, a, like an icon, how that can have that kind of very um, scary effect, in a way, the, the way a, a, an individual image works, compared to what, what you work in, which is sequential art, right, mm. which is 
panel, then another panel, then another panel, and the meaning is created by the contrast between those those things. You know. Mm. Um, well, that's... interestingly, like a lot of people, sorry. No, no, um, no, please. Um, the the interesting thing that happens with that though, as much as like that was my overarching point of that piece was it's okay for nuance and debate about this. It's okay. Dissent is not the same as division, you know, it's okay to talk about these things and pick things apart. God, if anything, just to sort of prove that everything you're, 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 we're all talking about when it's, we talk about freedom of speech, you know, because yeah, right. like, as soon as you become fundamental about, a fundamentalist about anything in, in this, you know, is, is, is sort of slightly scary, you know, like, the idea that, you know, it's, it's sort of sacrilege to even complain about these cartoons in, in any way, that sort of bothered me, because right. it, aren't we already talking about the concept of freedom of right, expression? Right, that was very strange. Um, so, and similarly, you know, with, like, uh, that comedian who got arrested as well, and, like, all of these other things around it that started to just make me feel very uncomfortable whenever there was any criticism of it and obviously you know there was going to be right and i was prepared for that um often people would pick apart like one panel and and be like i disagree with this panel because of this which almost felt in a weird sort of meta way like exactly what i was trying to say is like it shouldn't be about that one panel so like <laughs> Yeah, you know, like I got a bit of that for the, the image that said I don't relate to cartoons that punch down and it had um, a sort of close-up image of the Charlie Hebdo Boko Haram sex slave uh, right. cover. And Which I thought was a very good choice out of the many choices you could have made. It's a very... It, it, it is possibly the most sort of uh, controversial one to pick in that every there have been a lot of articles in the light of all that criticism, but we're highlighting the fact that we are all suffering from context blindness and we don't understand that that panel was a caricature of the right wing's point of view of what they believed those Boko Haram sex slaves were. They were welfare queens. And that was, and so it was a, a left wing paper exposing the ridiculousness of the far right. And be that as it may, I think there are better ways to make that point. Well, it's um, and I, I still stand by that panel despite everyone telling me no, how wrong I am. I, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's, it's to pick those images yeah. and make those people the the, the, the victims in, in the image. Like, it, I, I totally defend their right to do it. I think it's absolutely fine to be vulgar in your cartoons, and, and it's, it's definitely not my aesthetic. Uh, it's not my sort of third go-to when it comes to political cartooning and satire. But there are, there are just so many different ways to do that, and I don't think that takes anything away from the fact that it is a racist image, <laughs> and it is... It, it, it's, it is punching down, it's still right. punching down. I like, agree with you um, 100% on this. <laughs> yeah, like, so obviously I'm sure there so, are people listening right, shouting like, at yeah, us tell as well. It, tell it, you know, <laughs> yeah, why doesn't the host tell him where he's wrong? But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 with that image particularly, I mean, that, that's the thing. There's some, some, I feel like there's some images that people can argue one way, people can argue another way. Um, some of the examples and, you know, I've heard the... Ex- cause, I mean, I, I got into a lot of stupid arguments on, on you know... Uh, 
I think it's ridiculous. It's the third one. It's like the, there's the one side, then there's the other side, and then eventually there'll be the third person saying, "You're both wrong. You're both." And I was that one. Oh right. Um, <laughs> was, Did you change anyone's mind? No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I had long, 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 long conversation with one of my best friends about it. You know, and that's fine. Sure. I'm sure that's a useful thing that we both wasted our time doing. Do you often meet up with that friend face to face? Yeah, sometimes, but I, it would have been similar. I, I, yeah. I don't know if it wasn't better to not meet up face to face to talk about such sure. emotive issues actually with him. But, but 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 be that as it may, like I had a lot of those arguments, and I I think you can I can I can see some points on some of the arguments for some of the pictures, but that particular picture again I'll link to it. Mm. But I mean it's. It's so punching down. It's so vulgar, and it's so it's so racist. They're like clearly racist. I think like not it doesn't matter if it's if it's an intent mm. or if it's uh, sub you know it's within the person that they haven't addressed or whether just they're trying to be parody. It's trying to be a parody, but the still image, like I say, the still image on a, on the front of a, of a magazine. Sure, that's a different effect. And if I was one, I imagine if I was a member of that community, if I walked into that shop and I saw that mm. I would not feel that that was a I wouldn't get that like you know the image would be sticking with me mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what people think of me yeah. not the words that above it which may or may not have been intelligently satirical do you know what I mean that was my feeling on it yeah no absolutely it's, it's, a, it's a really weird one I, the, the amount of, uh, of okay so you know I am white and 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 straight and have uh, a, a, a privilege in that I get to say what I think about things on in the New Statesman. So I am not one to talk. But the amount of white men who are telling me, or or, or just ge- generally telling everyone that these images are not racist and you don't understand, it was ridiculous. Like in terms of like, don't you think? the people whose voices are not generally getting heard and the people who deal with racism on a daily basis if they find something to be racist and hurtful right. do you not think that maybe they might have the point and you might be right, sort of exactly. like in the wrong here that really irritated me I guess what irritated me was the certainty and, and as I was trying to get across in the comic you know, it's okay to not be certain about things and I think I think the sort of general sense of Look, I am definitely right, and here's all the reasons why. Like, really irritates me, um, and and it, and it is very difficult to get that sort of thing across in a comic because you are generally like you have a very limited amount of words and a limited amount of lines to make your points, and it, you've got to be quite succinct, and you've got to almost almost make things vaguely black and white in a sense, um, and 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 yet I do think there's room for a lot of grey area in comics and because you can juxtapose those words with particular images and make something nuanced and, 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 and difficult and I keep saying the word nuance and I, I feel that's going to be the word of the podcast but um, I, it irritates me because I really strongly believe in satire and I strongly believe in political cartooning right. I genuinely do believe in the power of them so yeah, I think it really I frustrates s- me when I see sort of bad versions of it I think so. I, had a, no, I had a similar reaction I've made satire like uh, comedy satir- satirical comedy I've never drawn but I, I was bringing my 
my belief in the art form of satire and my belief in the art, art form as com of comics, of images as a fan to, to that and getting very frustrated yeah, with the with with the fact that these can be so nuanced, these can be so, that, like that, that that you can if you do the work, if you think about it. And I'm not saying I've got it right. I look no, back sure, at yeah. the sat satirical comedy I was making yeah. as a white bit of class, etc., <laughs> young man at university. Um, I was making mistakes that I think Charlie Hebdo made, but sure. I look back at it and think fuck that was terrible and learn somewhere down the sure. line thank god um and maybe 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 in some ways i've got some sympathy for if if they if them in their lives managed to get to an age when <laughs> like you know they, they they they're safe within their privilege like so they're ignorant in a way and so i i feel sympathy in some ways for people's kind of ignorance of privilege like you know they don't know that they're, that they're sure. racist or whatever okay. whatever it doesn't matter but but and, and, and I feel like that word racist really scares people. People are like, if, if someone it calls makes people that, immediately right. defensive. In the same way that um, uh, sexism is a similar thing, when you know, which is where that kind, I guess, that sort of not all men and, right. and, and that kind of stuff starts coming out is is people feeling uncomfortable with, I guess, sort of. Um, Articles sort of talking about men or something in a general sense and, and, and sort of feminist ideals sort of maybe using the word men somewhere right. and and this sort of immediate defensive well I'm not like that yes. don't take it personally yeah. <laughs> like, for crying out loud or you know do take it personally if you really want to and like think about whether any of this does apply to you but like I don't I don't understand why yeah why that sort of provoke such a, a ridiculously aggressive and sort of threatening reaction in so many uh, people. Um, it's really, really, oh God, it, it just makes me want to turn off the internet and never turn it back on again, you know, like... Um, <laughs> and yet you've got to make these comic strips that <laughs> yes. they're like communicating with, with audiences who, and you're doing it with what they call, you know, you've got a platform, right? That's sure. the word that... I'm sure it's been hurled at you occasionally online. Funnily enough, no, not not so much. But um, well, I, I think that's probably you made because nice nuanced <laughs> stuff, <right? laughs> well, possibly because I'm not doing my job well enough, you know, and, uh, and encouraging that kind of uh, vitriol. Um, but uh, because, yeah, I, I think more often than not, like the, the, the whenever the new statesman posts uh, my comics on their Facebook page, uh, that tends to get sort of more comments because the comments aren't actually turned on on the new statesman site. So, and on Twitter, I don't generally get all that much sort of feedback on, on the comics. You know, I'll get shares and such. So, uh, sometimes I'll look on the New Statesman page to see if people have been commenting. There are two possible sort of uh, accusations that probably get thrown my way, which is one is uh, these are fine, but they're not very funny. And... Uh, and I guess the other thing is, I guess what, what's being levelled at me is what um, Seth Meyers and Tina Fey called uh, Clapter, when they, um, I think that's what they called it, when they were talking about like daily show jokes that weren't necessarily funny, but the audience agree with the points being made. So rather than like laughing, they, they clap 
so it's clapter. It's kind of like a, yes, I agree with what you're saying. It's not funny though. The larger point being, I'm probably preaching to the choir with a lot of uh, what I'm saying if I'm sort of attacking Farage or pointing out the ridiculousness of a Tory policy or something like that. And um, I don't really know what to sort of say to that because probably more often than not, like, the comic was never actually sort of intended to be like um, a joke strip sort right. of punchline, you know, set up no, beat, no, no, punchline sort of thing. It was always sort of meant to be like, give me space to do a bit of like comic reportage right. if if I am able to. More often than not, uh, most weeks I don't do that and I will sort of have a an askew look at the week's news, which will, yeah, you know, there'll probably be a sort of joke, a joke idea in there. And if it's not landing for some people, then fair enough, you know. I should, I should try and be funnier, I guess. Does I it have to be funny, though? Well, I mean, no, it's it not doesn't the necessarily. Thing that those strips do to, for me when I'm reading them. Yeah, like, I don't think I do that the only thing I want from a strip is, is funny. I don't, and I don't know if audiences want that necessarily. Yeah, I do feel that there's a, a sort of limited view of what political cartoons should be. Like, I don't think I've ever laughed out loud when I've read a Steve Bell cartoon. It doesn't right. necessarily mean that they're not working. I think there's more there's more going on. You can do more with a, a comic that... Like, I do like to take a sort of an idea to its sort of, like, logical conclusion. Like, I, I did a comic about a future utopian society where everyone gets along with each other and they're looking at a portrait on the wall and someone says, who's that? And someone says oh that's Kevin he was the first person to win an in internet argument and world peace ensued and you know because it, like I was saying earlier I don't necessarily know what the end game is when it comes right. to arguing with someone over the internet because I, I don't necessarily think you're going to change someone's mind so I, I like the idea of changing the first person to actually change someone's mind on the internet like uh, sort of gets held up as a hero and sort of made the, the king of a utopian society uh, because I um, so I like doing that sort of thing like taking things to a sort of an absurd conclusion Yeah. Uh, so I guess you know ultimately I am sort of trying to raise a smile with that kind of thing yeah. uh, but similarly I'm also just trying to make a point about something that hopefully isn't just immediate and you might might be worth like reading the comic a couple of times through or, or taking your time with it um and, and similarly, I, I like the idea of just a comic that would start debate of, of, of making people talk about it. You know, like, <laughs> I, we were just saying goodbye to a friend the other week in, in this very pub and uh, just about to sort of walk away from the bus stop when we started talking about my Charlie Hebdo comic and my friend didn't uh, necessarily agree with all of it. And... Um, uh, well, in fact, I just don't think he liked that one. He liked uh, other comics of mine. And, um, uh, and and I think we were standing at the bus stop for like about an hour just talking about all the different topics involved in the whole Charlie Hebdo thing. And I think we all at least agreed that that's interesting. Like, right. that's, you know, that that's a good thing that we were sort of talking about it in that way. Right, and, right. and having, you know, it was a totally respectful conversation and stuff. And I like that. I like, yeah... I guess, I guess, oh, I don't know what I'm getting at. Maybe I'm getting at the idea that I guess it's frustrating to be misunderstood and that I enjoy doing 
I probably like doing comics because I feel like it's an opportunity to be understood and then you once when someone gets the wrong end of the stick maybe I sort of uh, get offended by that maybe, maybe that's it yeah I mean I, 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 yeah I think there's there's something to that isn't it you make whatever you make whatever art you make mm. you sort of do it because you want to say things uh, and then it is always frustrating when people don't don't get the message that you're trying to get, mm. trying to trying to make them have. But it's very hard. Well, I like, guess you know that's the thing, isn't it? You, right. As soon as you put it out into the world, you can't. And also, you probably enjoy it when they have an interesting take that you hadn't intended. I certainly yeah. do, right? It's only if they have a, a take that you object to that you don't <laughs> yeah. like. If they have a new one, you're like, oh yeah, that's a good one. I'll sort of I'll remember that as something that I'll, <laughs> I'll think about when I look at it. You know, what I mean, yeah, which yeah. is good. Um, when did comics come into your life? Why did you decide this was the way to communicate your ideas? Um, well, um, I, I guess I've always been in my life, and like my dad always had a big comic collection uh, that I would read when I was a kid. I probably fell away from it a bit in my teenage years, as most that sort of generally sort of is the the, the case with a lot of people, and because you kind of feel that they're not particularly well. Uh, respected and uh, you I guess you sort of become obsessed with other art forms that are more considered more cool or um, more likely to uh, um, endear you to other people <laughs> so uh, but I, I came back to him I, it probably didn't last for very long because I, I came back to him pretty quickly and sort of discovered around that time like I probably discovered like Tom and A and Klaus and you know, or the sort of like the usual suspects when sort of getting into alternative comics in the 90s, I guess, although they're not necessarily, I guess Tom and A is particularly in 90s um, and early 2000s, but Clowers, I guess, was from the 80s or, mm. or had been working for a while. But, but yeah, there was a particular sort of generation of alternative cartoons and comic artists that uh, I got really into that made me want to do it and I was probably doing those on the side while doing my animation degree and when I graduated I was still doing comics but I was trying to work in like um, I spent like a year and a half in film a very low level sort of like you know runner production assistant that kind of thing but still doing comics I guess I remember introducing a friend to comics a friend who was an illustrator and she said oh, this makes total sense I think in comics and it it yeah it was really nice to him because that's exactly how I felt like when I think about a thing that's happened to me that I want to talk about or, or an idea that I have that I want to explore I think about it in, a, in terms of a comic weirdly these days I actually sort of I have different ideas about that as well. Like I, I, I can actually see a, an idea I have working better as a kind of a, a film idea or a TV idea, and, and, and abandon it, and only come back to a, um, to a comic idea if it feels that it's necessarily that medium as well. Like I don't, I don't necessarily feel that every idea that I have has to work in a comic right. form. There are certain things that the comic medium does better than film or TV can 
manage or, or straight throws. But then there are other things that work better in straight throws and blah, blah, blah. I've always liked doing it and I've, I've always felt that I'm not terribly articulate and a good conversationalist as this proves. I don't um, think so. I think you've been very articulate. <laughs> but, um, and and I, I do struggle to get my ideas out sometimes and I, I'm, I'm not a very good storyteller so I, I, I suffer from that kind of esprit d'escalier sort of moment a lot of like oh if only I said this and said it in this way right. and I really like the way that you can do that in comics like it, I'm sure like Chris Ware said you know like uh, comics are an inherently nostalgic medium that allow the cartoonist to impose an order on a chaotic chaotic world and like there is a certain element of like I do like female like because I worked in animation and film for a while like I really love those mediums but I think the thing that kept on attracting me to comics was that sole ownership of me being the only person like the buck stops with me and like I it, it succeeds or fails on whether I did it the right way but at least I got to do it my way right. and I have complete control there's a definite con- control freak aspect to it and yeah so I do like that if I could just communicate with the world in comics and only comics I'd probably be yeah uh, be completely happy <laughs> but but um, so yeah it does it just feels natural to, to me yeah, well it's interesting that you're saying about, about Chris Ware because I mean I I mean, I know that Scott McCloud talks a lot about the kind of temporal nature of comics, like how you you basically see the past and the future as you're read, reading the present. That's one of the things that I, I really like about it. It feels like when you're reading a comic that, yeah, I don't know, it just the pieces move around in a different way than any other medium, and that's mm. why I, I guess that's why I like it. Yeah, another Chris Ware quote is like, um, <clears throat> comics are like an intricate piece of sheet music uh, waiting to be performed by the reader. I like as his quotes reader. more than I like reading his comics. Sure, they're not particularly <clears throat> warm. I appreciate them. I appreciate sure, yeah. the idea of them. and uh, They are very complicated. For people who haven't seen them, they're very kind of complex, um, c- conceptual uh, pieces, but they, they have character and stuff in. But, but for me, I can't. I can't get to the characters because the concepts are hitting me in the face. But I think, sure, absolutely. But I feel yeah. like other people don't have that res- uh, experience. No, I it. mean, I, I've always been a fan, but I, I do totally <clears throat> see that, and I, I, I find it hard to argue against a very well argued um, takedown of Chris Ware because right. I, I sort of agree on a lot of um, those points. And absolutely, uh, if the design and the considered nature of the cartoon starts to overtake your ability to read it and enjoy it and take it all in without seeing that artifice around it, then I'm not entirely sure if it does succeed. You know, sometimes the more simple approach does work eh, right. to, to get your point across. So I can totally understand those criticisms. I also, you, you know... You need the extremes, though. I think in the art, in, in any art, you kind of need people to take it all the way to the... Like, because Chris Ware takes it all the way sure. to that kind of thing. Uh, whereas other people take it all the way to, the, to other kinds of things. And I think that they're, they're, they're both necessary, but I always probably enjoy the people who are less on the extremes. Sure, right, yeah. they've got more nuance, I guess, coming back to the <laughs> <clears throat> Um Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I tend to do... I do enjoy the more scrappy aesthetic of um, really seeing the, 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 the feeling uh, behind the brushwork and and the, the, the shape of lines um, changing. I, there, there is something very 
very design heavy to even though it, it is all you know hand drawn and um, there's absolutely no question that I think everyone respects and admires Chris Ware's work yeah, right. and, and, and the technical ability involved is, is astounding and, and I could just pour over the artwork for days um, um, but similarly it, yeah it does leave you cold um, it does take you out of it as well um, I guess it's you know it's similar to um, seeing Birdman the other week and how um, no question the technical achievements of that film and the acting on display in that are all incredible but the film kind of left me a bit cold at the end and, and in the end I felt like it was quite self-indulgent and that the uh, and he didn't know how to end it and, and and we sort of tend to overlook that or it seems like a lot of people are overlooking that or giving it a pass because of the incredible achievement involved in the the, the, the the DOP's job and uh, the technical aspects of 20 minute long unbroken takes and that kind of thing. Um, uh, so yeah, in a similar sense, that's sort of how I feel with Chris Ware is, but yes, great quotes. Yeah, and are you sort of like, so you're sort of, because it feels to me like your your comics influences when you're talking about them are kind of in the, the alternative sort of independent comic scene and then film being a big influence on mm. you. And also one of the things that it seems to me you've been talking about quite a lot are comedians, right? This kind of comedy and podcasting as, as well coming through that. Those are sort of things that are very influencing what you do, I guess, or how you're mm. thinking. What about the rest of the comics world? Like, is, were, were you, were you in, into the cliched ideas of what someone who's into comics was into as a teenager? Were you into the superhero stuff, I guess? Oh, right. Um, yeah, I grew up reading... Well, I, I, I think this probably says a lot about where, like, how I ended up going certain directions. <laughs> like, I, I think it probably had a very formative influence on, on me. I, I read Justice League International when I was a kid, yeah, which, right. um, for those who don't know it, it's, um, it's a, a collection of superheroes, uh, like, you know, it would be like the Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, all, all of those sort of DC characters. But it was written by a guy called Keith Giffen and J.M. Dimitrius. Um And they sort of pitched it as a kind of Marx Brothers style sitcom. And all of the characters weren't the big A-listers. They were all the kind of C-listers. And none of them got on. And there'd be entire issues of the comic in which they were just sort of arguing at their sort of headquarters. And then they'd sort of... And, and also he sort of... The, 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 the creative team uh, tried to make them... So take them from being the Justice League of America to Justice League International. So they had, like, United Nations funding and had, like... Cold War era fights with like you know Russian superheroes and there was relatively complex uh, global social political stuff happening for a eight year old right um, that I always would have to get explained to me by my dad and then there was all of this sort of just slapstick and like you know um, and ridiculous sort of comedy going on in it where none of them took themselves seriously at all and and it was drawn by Keith Giffen who drew in this very um, 
sorry, not Keith Giffen, uh, Kevin Maguire, uh, who drew in this very sort of um, vaguely realistic way um, that sort of has probably inspired a lot of the kind of people working today. I think, you know, you can see certain influences of his working like Jamie McKelvey uh, mm-hmm. now and um, in the, you know, like every, uh, you could tell it was 80s fashion, you know, you, everyone felt very contemporary at the time and, um, and the, the, the costumes looked like they would fit on people, like it looked like it was a costume and not an easy way to draw uh, anatomy, or, right. uh, which is often the way of right. those sort of superhero costumes. And um, uh, but yes, he was very good at facial expressions as well. Um, so yeah, that probably had a huge influence on me when I was a kid. Because um, I mean, that's an interesting thing. I feel like, that in a way, that the, these two different, these two different artistic kind of, yeah, schools, I guess, within comics. I mean, there's loads more than that. That's mm. a very simplistic way of saying like mainstream and, and non-mainstream. Mm. Um, but it feels like over time those two things have like morphed into completely different things mm. like com- you know superhero comics now superhero movies right now superhero <laughs> everywhere like it, it, it's become much cooler to like superheroes than it was right, yeah. when I was into superheroes but it, and I still am I'm still I'm not, I'm not one of these people oh, who yeah, are like sure. oh, I'm, now everyone else likes it I don't think it's cool anymore I'm, I'm not that yeah and it's always been about the creative team like uh, Matt Fraction and David Aha have been doing some great stuff with Hawkeye right. recently and um, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey have been doing some right. great stuff and, and they're and a really good example of what I think is happening now these two different schools are like much more cross-pollination is happening like a lot of people from alternative stuff or alternative influences are doing stuff in the mainstream and a lot more people in the mainstream stream are going oh let's do something completely like out there and you know alternative and independent mm. um, and I guess that's been happening for years so when I'm saying like oh this mm. is just happening it's it's probably like 10 years to 15 years that that's been going yeah, on yeah I think it sort of came out of the fact that like um, Marvel had nothing to lose uh, after the 90s um, and and took a chance on a bunch of sort of independent creators like Brian right. Bendis and people like that, and and, it, and 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 they started sort of experimenting with um, sort of different lines like the Ultimate line and like re relaunching universes and, and and giving a kind of mature a space for sort of mature adults sort of takes on the Punisher and Black Panther and things like that and um, and then. Uh, yeah, I think it sort of started o- around that sort of time and over the past 15, 15 years it's sort of like just been progressively getting to a point at which now like Image are doing these really lovely, um, well lo- lovely is the wrong word, but uh, creator own books where c- people have cut their teeth on like Captain America, like Ed Brubaker or... Um, right. um, uh, are getting the chance to sort of like spread their wings with their own creator own projects like um, with Fatal and um, the Fade Out and, and and Matt Fraction's doing some good stuff with uh, Sex Criminals and, and you've got Kieran and Jamie doing their thing and um, uh, Pretty Deadly uh, and um, with uh, and, and Saga Brian K. Vaughan and Kelly, Kelly Sue's doing Bitch Planet, which I haven't read yet, but I'm hearing 
Well, I'm hearing mixed things, but uh, uh, I'd like to give it a go. Um, and and, and uh, yeah, there's... for me, like Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughan was like one of my most recent. Like, I, I just devoured that. Mm, I devoured yeah. that. So that I haven't like, reread it recently, but I, mean, I really enjoyed it. I really right. Yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. I, I never do anything at the right time. <laughs> uh, I sort of like had a a year of just devouring the history of comics. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, after uni, like when I was in a lost, bleak part of my life, I was like, I worked in a library, so I just got out yeah. every comic you could possibly get in all the different genres, and then a lot. Well, yeah, what I was getting at with with what you're doing, I guess, is like where 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 do you see, I guess, comics going? Where do you see, like, so you're you're treated a bit differently than like people in a have been in the past and you're doing comics in a, a little bit more of a mainstream mm. like platform whatever sure. we want to call it place yeah uh, yeah um so where do i see myself in the comics industry yeah. or where do i see where do you see going? yourself and the comics industry oh, okay. I guess, but yourself <laughs> mostly I um well i'm on the verge of maybe signing off on a book deal, which isn't my own thing, it'll be adapting a non-fiction prose book into a comic, which I'm really excited about, but I have no idea if it's actually going ahead, so right. talking about it uh, is probably going to, well now that I've talked about it, it's never going to happen, um, but uh, um, uh, ideally I'll be doing that and probably working on that for the next year and a half if it goes ahead. I still want to put out my, my book, uh, Ellipsis, which I've only done the first issue of, but it's... Uh, intended to be six issues which are all standalone stories that interweave and interconnect uh, um, and I'd really like to get that done over the next year or two as well um, I have um, I have another idea that I'm sort of kicking around in the back of my head while I work on all of these other bits uh, that I'd like to sort of get around to which sort of feels more like a kind of young adult thriller <laughs> um, uh, mm. which makes it <laughs> sounds awful <laughs> but um, sounds good to me um, I, I like young adult stuff and <laughs> yeah. a, a thriller sounds thrilling um, <laughs> yeah um, we saw like a young adult supernatural version of The Wire Wow, that, that was my idea. That's a good pitch. I <laughs> oh, think thanks. that's a good pitch. That, that works for me as a pitch. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of getting all my gripes, my political gripes, out in in a kind of fictional sense, uh, fictional context. Uh, I think that'll be really interesting. So that's something I'd really like to do. In terms of where I see myself, I, that's always been my problem, and I think um, I'm never very good at figuring out how to um, sell myself in that sense. In terms of I like working on poetry comics with um, my friend Chrissy, who's a wonderful poet, and we like sort of experimenting with what, where poetry and comics collide and, right. and cross over. Because uh, I think if you're comparing comics to any particular medium, I actually think the closest art form is poetry because right. it's all about economy of line right, right, and it's right. all about having a very succinct point, and it's um, there are all sorts of reasons which could be an entire podcast there talking about it um, so I like to sort of occasionally dip my toes into that and do a bit of work with Chrissy and I still want to put out like comics with solipsistic pop and that was sort of more alternative side of things that might not sort of books as art objects that might not necessarily sort of like 
be a smart business decision because they won't make a lot of money because your markup that the unit cost is going right. to be so expensive. If you make really good uh, pieces of art, then they're really expensive to produce. Yeah, right. and I've never been very smart about um, putting solipsistic pop books out. But I'd, and I'd like to sort of put other people's work out. At the moment, I'm just using that publishing house as a way of putting my own work out. And I'd really like to put other people's stuff out. Um, and so I'd like I, I'd like to be doing these, these short story things, which uh, and, and I'd like to continue doing comic reportage. And um, so I'm not entirely sure where I where that puts me. In 2008, uh, me and my friend Dan Hancock, who's a journalist, uh, went travelling around America, uh, following the presidential primary campaigns for two months, and we blogged about it as we went. I drew the people we met, and he wrote about it. And then we collected it as a book. And I, we're in sort of very, very early talks about maybe trying to do that for next year. Right. When there's going to be, again, an open open primaries on both sides. And uh, I think it would be really interesting to go back now that we're both better at what we do. And, um, and there are alternative ways to fund that kind of thing as well. Right. Um, and I'd really like to do that, and so I really want to keep my toes in the comic reportage, and I want to continue doing the New Statesman thing. So, God knows, in terms of where I see comics going, it feels like the fact that we've seen like a slate of Marvel and DC comics that are going to last for the next ten years is probably the point at which people are going to start getting... People are already getting a bit frustrated with the fact that all blockbusters are previously licensed sort of, you know, uh, IP stuff, yeah. you know, that it's all, it's, it's pre-existing IPs that uh, you're not getting any kind of new, fresh ideas when the blockbuster calendar is all going to be superheroes. I think there'll be a bit of a backlash to it yeah. probably in the next few years, but for the moment it seems to be going well, and I enjoy those movies. You yeah, know, me too, you know, but it's, it, not it's a complicated thing. I, I love those movies, <laughs> some of them anyway, and I'm, you know, as a comic book fan, I'm fussy about which ones I like or whatever. Sure. <laughs> but, I mean, it, I also do take the point that if every film's a superhero film, then where are the... Because I love film as well as comics. I don't mm. want just to see all of the brilliant comics that I read you know when I was younger uh, be made into films that's not that's not going to be great for either of those mediums in a way so mm. it's, it's complicated I, but I love the films yeah, yeah yeah absolutely when they're good and um, who knows it's going to last but um, you know I'm, I'm enjoying it for now um, and that can only be a good thing for the comic industry because more people are going to be interested in Marvel and DC hopefully and then more people reading that, the more that they're going to be people going, well, this is fine, but what else you got? And then right. they might pick up some image comics and then pick up some small press and self-published work. And I, I you know, the, the larger the pie, the larger the pie of comic readers, the more there's going to be people picking up that small sliver of the pie, which is, you know, the more alternative yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm sure that's an actual 
uh, analogy I think that that's Scott McLeod drew. Um, right. But, uh, I think that's right, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that's yeah. the thing with all of these. It's like with serial, with podcasting, right? <laughs> as much, you know, it's good for podcasting. Sure, because yeah, it, absolutely. it makes everybody aware of it, even if you don't do anything like serial. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same, I guess, with comics. Mm. The last question that I ask people is do you have anything to plug? Which is interesting because you just said you're, you're not very good at uh, <laughs> self promotion. I'm okay with plugging. It's about, I, no, when I say I'm not very good at selling myself, it's in terms of I guess I don't know what my it sounds awful but um, and who would want to be good at this but I don't know what my brand is I don't know what my USB is uh, it takes a long time to describe like all the different types of comics I do which is why I just say I do this New Statesman comic because otherwise I could you know I'll just be talking someone's ear off for half an hour explaining all the different types of things that I'm interested in but in terms of plugin, uh, if people want to go to tomhumberstone.com, that's where you can find my blog and Twitter and all of that. And obviously I do my New Statesman thing, so pick up the New Statesman, um, or just go to its website where you can read most of the content for free. Um, uh, yeah. Well, that's good. that's a that's a very very good plug actually, <laughs> giving all of the the pertinent information. Uh, and the last thing I ask all my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Ah, uh, goodbye <laughs> to the audience. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>